you've heard them from such films as probably iRobot and the one with yep. with Robin Williams. I I remember or, talking. Or or those of us that can read, you know, the books that they came from. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Good morning. Welcome to a brand new episode of Tech Breakfast Podcast. On today's episode, was Starship SNA to success? What is going on with Cyberpunk? Will Facebook get a mention? Find out today with your hosts, Russ Cantwell, Aaron Buley, Tyler Gates, and from the land down under where everyone rides a kangaroo to work, senior Australian field correspondent, Kieran Sheldon. So pour yourself a coffee and get ready. This is Tech Breakfast. Morning, fellas. How are you all doing? Doing Better awesome. now. Doing great. That was great. <laughs> was Love awesome. that intro. <laughs> Got me hyped. I'm oh, just imagining everyone riding kangaroos and they'll end down under it. Hey, we're in Texas. They ride kangaroos. We ride horses. Same, same. I was actually just talking uh, with another friend down there yesterday, um, Luke Jones. I think, uh, Kieran, maybe yep. you know him. Yeah. Yep. We uh, had lunch together or something at one point. We did. He was showing me this picture of a, what was he called? A ring-tailed something. It looked kind of like a possum. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. It looked like a really tiny koala or something. It was like smaller than the size of a shoe. It was in a tree getting attacked by a bird and it felt, I don't know, it was crazy. I'd never seen that animal before. Anyway, he cared for it and released it back into the outback, you know. Anyway. Fancy. Probably a lot of animals there that I don't know and have never heard of. Probably a lot you don't want to know, but you might want to have heard of them. So on the flight up to Brisbane, I was sitting next to this lady She's probably in her like, I don't know, seventies or eighties. And I was asking her about snakes there, right? You know, you hear about, you know, six or seven of the top 10 deadliest snakes are there in Australia. And she's like, yeah, I've found five of them in my backyard, you know, just kind of gardening. I was like, what? She was like, yeah, I've lived there for 50 years. You know, as long as you just, you don't bother them, they don't bother you and you don't die. I was like, oh my God, she's cold, cold cold blooded. (laughs) We've got a few around our area as well. Um, that come out at night, we'll see them around. There's a couple at my um, wife's parents' place as well. They live out on a farm and they used to be getting them daily. Which ones? Uh, some of the top five deadliest ones. Yeah. So they'll have Sweet. Eastern Browns, they'll have Red Belly Blacks. Um, yeah, it's quite Dang. a few snakes. Okay. Sounds All right, who's got, the, uh, who's got the tech wife. news to kick us off here? My wife could not handle that. Uh, yeah, it's a perfect segue. While I was looking for great tech news, I found on the front page of The Verge a a collection of squirrels taking superhero poses. What? And it's hilarious. <laughs> and it's just the right way to start a Friday, in my opinion. It it is. Uh, it's actually a, a throw out to um, uh, Reddit. It's from an old Reddit post. They decided didn't get enough attention. It's in support of of something new Marvel content that's coming up, but um, it's awesome. The the squirrels look like the classic superhero landing pose, right? So they are smashing into the ground by all appearances. But if you look through it, um, it, it's actually a way that they scratch their chest, I think with their back legs, as opposed to, you know, some sort of epic landing as they leap from tree to tree or something. But it is, it is awesome and adorable. And I very much enjoyed running into that. Yeah, the I saw that on playing some Fortnite. I saw that on uh, Twitter the other day, and somebody was saying that that's how they land naturally. I, I got took because yeah. if you read the article, it says apparently they're just scratching it's absolutely themselves. Absolutely not. Yeah, yeah, no, there's a video of scratching. one doing. But but it is so much more fun to imagine that superhero landings came from 
uh, copying squirrels. Nice. I can pretty much guarantee that every time I see a superhero landing now, I will think of a squirrel <laughs> sitting in a very aggressive position. <laughs> Have you all seen Why that I fly? The uh, the indoor skydiving thing over there in what is it, Frisco? I've yeah. seen it. I've never I've never done that. I want to do that. Oh, it's awesome. It's it's dude, it's you'll have you'll feel like you have absolutely zero body control and then your coach will get in there or the whatever, the person that does it, they do like thousands of hours a, a day in there. And one of the things he did is he's like a lot of hours in a day. Exactly. I don't think they do. That's how they're so good. (laughs) They'll be in there whipping around. And this guy um, who did it actually uploaded the video to YouTube. I'll see if I can show that out. But at the end, he's way up at the top of the cylinder. And then he like just kind of goes into a, like a bullet and falls to the bottom and lands like Superman. I don't know. It was, it was pretty cool. It's awesome. I want to know more about how they bend space time. Um, I mean, the floating Squirrels? part sounds fun. Oh, I fly. <laughs> oh, <laughs> for the thousand hours in a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Not gloss over to that one. What else we got? I saw a uh, another one that was on the verge that totally took me by surprise, um, at least initially, which is that Hyundai apparently is taking control of Boston Dynamics or has taken control. Yeah, yeah. no, we, we talked sold. about that. That, that happened. Yeah. We did? When? Yeah, yeah. Um, a few shows back. It just um, happened yesterday. Was, yeah, no, I mean, maybe like a dozen shows back. They were talking about it. And, it, you know, it was a reminder of Hyundai is not just a, a car company. They do all kinds of shipping, warehouse, oh, logistics, all kinds of stuff, right? So for them to be able to leverage those those robot capabilities in a number of different ways, I mean, it makes sense, right? I mean, I you see it happening the, within... the Hyundai conversation now. For some reason, yeah. my brain disconnected the Boston Dynamics part of that. And I'm not sure why I probably missed paying attention to one thing or another. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, I well, Did it just finally that. go through? The reason why it popped up, yeah, is because it says the deal will be finalized today, which was yesterday. So the the deal has been finalized, supposedly. That's that's probably why it popped back up. Does that seem like a low dollar amount for what Boston Dynamics was able to... Yeah, for 1B? I mean... No. Sort of difficult for me to attribute $1 as a low dollar amount in any scenario. So, yeah, but when I compare it to like platform, like just software, social media platforms that are getting valuations at like 2 billion and it's just a social media platform. Well, yeah, but just a social media platform with, you know, a hundred million (laughs) users that are actually quote unquote buying stuff, which is their time and advertisements, right? No, I think Boston Dynamics, uh, while the tech is really, really cool, it's not like they have a ton of consumer technology that is being bought left and right. Clearly, clearly they're doing good things because they are a manufacturer that is, is worth a, you know, over a billion dollars now. And they have, they haven't even been in the news for more than what a decade is that Mm -hmm. that might even be too long. I don't know. But, um, I think that the tech is phenomenal, but it's not like they've got billions of sales, right? Sure. Yeah. So it seems like a fair evaluation or fail, fair valuation. I mean, part of me hurts that, yeah, you've got social media platforms that are worth more than awesome autonomous robots, but it's also totally how the world works these days. Yeah. What else? What else is out there? I got an interesting one that I actually just found that said... <laughs> We need a broadband internet pricing equivalent of nutrition labels. <laughs> just, a, just an opinion piece uh, by someone at slate.com. But it's basically, this has actually been an argument made for a while now, but 
its primary basis is around the hidden fees that come with broadband services. And Kieran, I don't know if you're familiar or if it's the same there, but in America, the internet is an absolute mess. And so the issue here is that, you know, you go look at your price, whatever it might be, and it says it's $60 for a kajillion gigabits of internets and you can have all these wonderful things and we will make your life so much better. And then it's actually $6,000 a minute. It just, like, there's just all these things that you don't know about that end up showing up on your bill or it changes after a year or you're not getting the service that you're getting one tenth of the service that you expected. And they're like, no, that's within our, our margin of error for our operating. So there's just a lot of things that people don't know because there's no transparency in the bill or the fees or anything along those lines. You're required to rent a modem from them with a monthly $10 yeah. fee, regardless of whether or not you need or want their modem. Right. Dude, I'm for this. So I am for oh, this me too. as well. The I think they need, a, they need a line item that says there's no competition in your area too. So you can quickly correlate pricing with <laughs> yeah, absolutely. lack of competition. I yeah. think they should show the comparable pricing for your same plan in other areas. <laughs> there you if go. If you go to somewhere else where there is competition, be like, note that if you live two neighborhoods over, you would be paying half the cost for twice the speed. Yeah. Yeah. Equivalent to like this daily caloric intake kind of a deal? Mm. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, we, we don't have that issue here. Like, it's either you are in an area that's DSL, you're in an area that's either fiber or HFC or, or the like, or you're in a satellite area or wireless yeah. internet. And then you, our plans are you are either 25, 12, or you're 50 and 25, whatever the sizes are. And that's your plan. And you are either paying 500 gig or um, unlimited. And it just works out if you're buying this package or this package. That's all you pay. Yeah. Hearing hearing that from your perspective, it sounds so simple. But it also makes me realize that as much as I bitch about US internet ISPs and all of the crap that they laden us with, like total first world problems. But it's that front end, back end look as well, because the front end of it that the consumer, the user sees is all neat and tidy. But the history behind how we get our national broadband network is it's a complete mess. We went from having a fiber service uh, was going to be eight year rollout and cost $42 billion. That was set. Then the new government came in where they swapped parties and they go, no, no, no. No one needs 100 megabit. You need 25 megabit. That's the most. So then they decided to cancel everyone getting fiber to the home and go to fiber to the node, so at the start of your street, and then copper to everyone's house. At that point, no one needs 25 megabit. Fast forward another uh, 12 years later, and now that same party that canceled the fiber went, oh, actually, that was a good idea, and now they're rolling out fiber again. <laughs> but they got to change all that contracts. Yes, and at another like ten or twenty billion dollars more than the original. That must be the fiscally conservative party in Australia. I have a story about the internet (laughs) in Australia for some reason, (laughs) and 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 it's there's no way it's true. But I was working with a guy one time, and we we were out to lunch, working on a project, and he just randomly looked over at me and was like, "Hey, so you know the internet in Australia?" And I was like, "I mean." I'm sure they have it. Like that, that's that's about that's about the extent that's that I know. Opening line. 
Oh hey, yes. So Internet, legitimately, <laughs> we did we did nothing to get there. You have to you have that's a very important part of the story is to understand that that's that's how it started. <laughs> and he's just like leaning over and looks at me. He's like, "Well, you know what? You don't got to worry about it." And I'm like, "I don't know what you're talking about." He's like, "Because I built it for them." <laughs> and oh. just like straight up is just like yeah they didn't have it until i built it for them i i didn't know what to do i just froze i'm like man i'm sure they're grateful for for your efforts i don't i don't know what to tell you but then it but then it sort of came to light he's like i was like when did you do this he was like oh it was about five years ago i'm like okay so so you're lying to me yeah like and it's probably also entirely different now yeah, it was just so funny to me that that was the way it came up. And so uh, I think, and I don't know if I'll hear this often, but anytime I hear internet in Australia, I think that story is going to come yeah. to my head. So, so that puts it in perspective what Kieran shared, because um, I get pretty frustrated with my ISP. I have to play this ridiculous game with them every two years where I cancel my service because they only offer yep. the, the great price to new customers. And so historically, you could just cancel the service and then redo, like call back in and say, hey, I'm a new customer the very next uh, day. And they caught on to that. And now you have to not be a customer for 30 days. But I found a workaround. So you can cancel your service, call the next day, get your service scheduled for 30 days out. And then after that's scheduled, then you hang up and you say, hey, um, we have this deal scheduled for you know such and such time. And Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I just, you know, that was when I needed it to happen, but I can actually make it happen anytime now. And they're like, oh, okay, great. Well, let's move it up to this Wednesday. And then boom. Nice. Great. But you play these ridiculous games and you have to pay, they have to send people out. They give you free installation, I but you're, I mean, it just makes out. no sense. It's, they it's they so do ridiculous. this because of people like me, because there's no scenario with which I would ever do that. Like, like they, they like my price <laughs> double. I, mean, I pay, do that every pay six twice months. as much if you don't do it. You go from, I, you go from 59 bucks a month to 109 bucks a month if you don't do that. Yeah, that's going to happen to me in April. And I'm going yeah. to be proudly paying 109 bucks. Dude, like, it's just the principle of it, man. I, keep I get it. Know, like, it frustrates it. me, but I'm I don't. I, on this one. Yeah, I don't go. I don't, I don't work through that. I, I probably should. Um, but here's the thing. If I don't have internet from Monday to Wednesday, the world ends. Yeah. Like that's, <laughs> yeah. that's not a thing. No, it was bad. We suffered. We suffered for 10 days without internet. Actually. There was a point in time in my old house where I was struggling a little bit with my internet access. And I happened to be in a neighborhood that, that actually has two different providers that come into it. So I ran two providers for a year into my house. And I had different <laughs> networks inside of my house. And actually, I could actually do that here as well. So I technically... And the other provider doesn't require a contract. So I could technically bring in the other one for 30 days and actually that, meet uh, a specific requirement. Is it Spectrum in your neighborhood? Was that your uh, Sutton provider? Link and AT&T. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you've mentioned that before. I think I yeah. can do the same thing. I don't think Spectrum in my neighborhood actually requires a contract, and we do actually have both. But I have found that when you actually have another provider that you can go to, when you call in to cancel and say you're changing providers, they are far more likely to just find a way to discount out the, the crap. Like they, they don't want to lose you for a month and they don't, they really don't want to lose you for a month and then find out that you don't care that much and not come back. Funny how competition works. I know. Right. Shocker. All right. Moving on, moving on. What else we got? 
I actually was just reading an article about uh, Huawei and the uh, US FCC is um, started has started the process of revoking their authorization to operate in the United States. So US telecom is uh, quote unquote ripping and replacing Huawei components. Anybody yeah, they were putting followed, pressure on uh, Canada to do the same. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, in anybody that follows it, I think in, intimately, I, I think I think it's fairly easy to wrap your head around why. Um, well, a lot of countries, but the United States in particular is, uh, call it uncomfortable with Huawei and its relationship with the um, Chinese, I guess, military industrial complex um, and, and just Chinese government in general, given that they're a chip manufacturer, uh, or they probably don't do their chips, but they, they produce the hardware. There, there's lots of opportunities for, call it geopolitical state-backed corporate espionage, effectively. So, I, at least that's the underpinnings of this. I imagine that there's also just some global competitive, I don't know, motivations behind it. But what, what got yeah, me Yeah, like curious, this article that says Huawei tested AI software that could recognize Uyghur minorities and alert police. I saw that, that one. The other day. That's yeah. a bad look. That is yeah. a terrible look. But the Uyghur minority, all of that stuff is a terrible, terrible look. That's I mean, we got we got down a rabbit hole the other day just talking about was it Coca Cola and um, who yeah, who else remember. is Apple? I, don't um, the other big, I think Apple, Nike. Apple was a big maybe. one. Nike, uh, yeah, Nike, Nike. I think those Michael. were three three biggest names in it. But they were the ones that were you know there we talked about the lobbying efforts against the bill in the United States that would provide or, or force them to provide a at least a higher burden of proof that their components and things that they were selling in the United States or importing to the United States were not produced by forced labor. The Uyghur minority stuff is the source of a lot of source forced labor in China, according to the news that we consume at least. But but my, my question was less less about those specific topics. While I think they're super interesting and important, I, I'm curious why Huawei is the primary here. And it'd be really interesting for me to hear from somebody that understands it a little bit better. But Huawei is far from the only Chinese manufacturer of telecom goods. Now, I do understand that they are far bigger and more competitive. And I think that they are injected more in like our infrastructure, right? So ISPs actually have contracts right. that are using Huawei equipment as opposed to something like TP-Link, which is predominantly consumer in the United States. But are there legitimate concerns about like home equipment that's coming from China? Or is it just because of Huawei's relationship with the Chinese government? Uh, I think yes to all the above. One thing that right, was interesting... Smoke, there's fire where you... Yeah, anyway, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, well, I was going to say, if you look at their actions, like the way they've done business, I was speaking to... <clears throat> I can't remember the gentleman's name. But it was a, a, a VAR in maybe the Netherlands, maybe New Zealand, I don't know, something. Someone who is in another part of the world where they do business both with and against Huawei, um, primarily against. And he was explaining some of their business practices and how aggressive they are. And one thing that they did that was just interesting, and, and he described it as because they can do this because they'll be backed by the government um, for like losses. Is he said they would go into an opportunity to sell networking subsidized, equipment. interesting, and they would say, "Hey, just just give us whatever the price is of the competitor, and we'll give you thirty percent less." Like no matter what, like it was just like we'll just get we'll just give you the the same thing for thirty percent less, and so like they were incapable of winning any form of opportunity because Huawei was just sweeping it up, and so he would work with telecom providers, and they would go in and they just 
sweep the floor by ensuring yeah. that they were dramatically less expensive because the government would subsidize those those types of things. So I, that, that that, actually, I, I think that's a red flag. I don't know, but well, it's just, it, it was an interesting behavior no, no, that no, was drive to me. That's market manipulation, right? That's one of the biggest problems that the U.S. as a as a an international entity has, and in fact, the international community in general, like there's currency manipulation is a big problem. It, it's all about global market dynamics, right? So I completely understand that. And and good call out by the way, because I wasn't actually thinking about that just now, um, especially because I I personally haven't run into Huawei in a sort of a corporate context. But I think that double clicks even more so on onto the question that I was really asking. I'll put it this way. I'll give you some context. I'm a dork about home networking. I'm sure, Russ, you are too, Aaron. Sometimes it depends on the day of the week. But uh, I had a neighbor that was having Wi-Fi hotspot issues in his house, right? And and he knows- Connect to I, mine. I've got goofy stuff. I mean, that was literally- Amazon Sidewalk is handling that for y'all. Okay. Yeah, exactly. They got Sidewalk. it from here. <laughs> Anyways, he ended up ignoring you know some of the recommendations I gave him because he just wanted something that was inexpensive. I'm not going to knock him for it. It's fine. But he ended up purchasing a TP-Link router. And, and I was... Honestly, it's been a while since I went and looked at consumer routing stuff or Wi-Fi routers or anything like that. Um, back in the day, I tended to use like Netgear or Asus, um, and and Asus is what a Taiwanese company, right? Netgear actually right. based in the United States, as an example. Well, when I googled this stuff just to get a feel for like, is this going to do what you want it to do? Because he's trying to splash his backyard with it. He's concerned about speeds. He's got a half gig connection too. And it's, um, so I just wanted to see like, Hey, before you unbox it, is, is this actually going to be a decent user experience? Every site that I used to use for reviews for consumer routing equipment has TP link, like in the top three, they're killing it, which again, I have, I haven't followed it. I don't particularly care for like their Wi-Fi smart stuff, but it's because it's Wi-Fi and I try to avoid putting smart stuff on my Wi-Fi. I I prefer the mesh networks just to try to keep the 2.4 gigahertz spectrum clean. But what do you guys think about that? Like, is, is that something that consumers should be worried about at all or not really because it's cheap and it works? From a, wait, Dude, from, I don't, from a security, from a security. perspective? Or? Well, is it similar? Is, and, and is TB-Link wildly less expensive for similar tech for the same reasons that Huawei was able to go and undercut competition in large businesses? Oh, got it. Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I, I don't know that I would, I don't know if I think that they are or not. They are known for being a little bit less expensive to even give you an indication. So Huawei or Huawei, TP-Link made a version of Google's OnHub years ago. If you guys remember that specific router is actually, it was incredible. There was a TP-Link version and there was an ASUS version. TP-Link was $30 cheaper just off the rip. So they've always kind of been a, a value oriented, I think, consumer brand. And they've, right. they've done good work for less money for, for quite a while. I have no idea why they're able to do that. Um, but that's always kind of been their stick. So, but I, I have no idea if it poses the same security risk or not candidly, but they, they yeah. have always made pretty good products for the, uh, for the money. In fact, I have a lot of TP link, just switches, uh, just plain, Unmanaged switches, this little eight. I did. Port, I, I used to. Else. Yeah, I think I'd eaten well. a sixteen port briefly. Yeah, I think that might yeah. be the only tech I had from it. And and again, like at the time, it was because they had good line rate stats and they were inexpensive. Yep, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm also Tyler, a fan but, of the meshes. My house yeah. is all meshed up. 
Well, that would be uh, for me, total curiosity there. And I think very relevant to, to our podcast and tech in general, if anyone is more familiar with those dynamics, especially in the consumer space, because you just don't see it in the news as much because you're not talking about, interestingly, you're not talking about billion dollar deals, but you are absolutely talking about billion dollar markets. So it'd be really fun to- Wasn't one of the main targets of Huawei Android? I mean, that's definitely very consumer oriented. I mean, oh, for sure. That's true. Oh. Well, in Huawei is in everything, right? I mean, I, right. If, if the backhauls from an ISP perspective are running on Huawei equipment, we know they produce cell phones. And I would argue the only reason Huawei isn't bigger in the United States is because their user experience on their devices isn't up to snuff. I think they were actually uh, and the human rights violations at the time. I don't and think that stops people from buying violations. it, Aaron. I, like, yeah, I think it should, <laughs> but I don't think it does. Yeah. Well, I, I think I mean, when you inexpensive bring up and good to, user experience, yeah. they'll do it. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Ugh. Okay. Kieran, do you have any thoughts on any of that or can I uh, switch to a new topic here? Um, nah. He's too close to China. <laughs> you, you have no thoughts uh, on China? Oh, China products? I, I, I can't say anything. We're in trouble with China at the moment. So, nice. In what way? Are they whole COVID situation and a lot of other things and all of our exports and that have been blocked? So, oh, yeah. have they really? I thought COVID was gone from Australia. <clears throat> oh yeah, but the blame hasn't. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Nice. So, wait, so wait, 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 wait. I want to double click on that yeah, a little bit. What exports are blocked? What like big ones? Because so, when I when I hear Australia exports to China, my first thought is raw material. So right, coal, it's your mining. Beef, yeah. There's there's a number. Of, yeah, I, I'm what not actually too sure of the list, but kangaroo are you, beef. Are you exporting kangaroo oh. beef to China? <laughs> Maybe only a small amount, but um, <laughs> just fold it in. It's twelve percent. Yeah, twelve percent <laughs> kangaroo. Ka- kangaroo meat's yeah. delicious, by the Roo way. Meat. Yeah, thirty-six yeah. percent of all stats made up. <laughs> I heard it was eighty-seven Ooh, and a half on the spot. Yeah. No, no, it's eighty-seven percent of people know that. Oh, there it is. <laughs> Sorry, that's that's clean. That that's easy to interpret. Um, I do have a fun no, no. fact about that before before I hear your answer because I totally want to. But um, unless this has changed from when I studied in Australia, Australia is the only country in the world that eats their country's animal and bird. Yes. And I don't know if it's oh, both what? or if it's or if it's either. Like I don't know if there are any other countries that eat their country animals. But what's our country well, animal? Uh, well, I don't know. Birds, the eagle, right? What it's is like it? Goose? It, it, or the uh, buffalo? Right. It's, it's probably the bison. buffalo. It's a buffalo. It's the, bi- yeah, bison, right. bison, buffalo. Yeah. yeah well, we eat yeah. that now. Yeah, we do. We eat that. But we don't eat bald eagles. No, well, not not everybody. I'm just kidding. It wasn't that that was in the <laughs> news everybody. like 15 years you ago. <laughs> wasn't wasn't there a bald eagle like dining event for what? some giant fundraiser? Gosh, maybe that was in a movie. Don't, it's don't blasphemous. Me. I mean, I'm it sure it tastes be. like freedom, but it's probably blasphemous. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, anyways, I thought that was a fun fact. But uh, yeah, so so what's what's going on? Tell us more about this. Yeah, export so thing. Look, I I don't know much about it, but um. So our seven banned uh, exports are wine, coal, barley, copper ore, concentrate, uh, sugar, timber, uh, wine, and lobsters. Got wine in there <laughs> twice. Yeah. Huh. Maybe that's a combo thing, wine and lobsters. Geez, wine and the, and the materials. Like I knew that those yeah. were big exports to China from Australia, and that, that is interesting. Mm, China, China is playing trade war at 
like 40 chest levels, I think, because that's that's crazy. Yeah, well, <laughs> so last year our exports of just red meat to China were valued at about $3 billion. So mm. when you add up seven... Wait, is that big? Just kidding. Uh, I guess, I guess <laughs> that, was a, that, that was a yeah. toss. That, that was a yeah, shot at Aaron for the his $1 billion. Yep. Dollar. Yeah. Yeah. I, just, I think Boston <laughs> Dynamics is worth more than a billion. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I think it's worth it's checks. Cool isn't an evaluation. Fifty dollars. Like, <laughs> cool see, isn't wonder... an evaluation. <laughs> there. But there. actually, I'm not sure that's true, Russ. Have you looked at Tesla lately? <laughs> yeah, that's true too. There's some practical nature there. There was an article saying that it was about to drop to like a tenth of what it is the other day. Some, some one of those like somebody was making week. an argument. Yeah, that it was about to. And, they're wrong. They to go down want it to drop to a tenth so that they can buy it and it'll go right back. <laughs> right, yeah. I, I have a few billion dollars in bag holders on shorts that would uh, probably disagree with that statement. <laughs> right, yeah. But angrily at this point. Okay, I think we, uh, let, let me, I want to jump in on this one. Um, Curtis Bunker just tagged us on one uh, around the new laws of robotics. I'm sure y'all have heard the original three laws of robotics. Asimov, right? yes. Yeah, a robot. Yeah. It, what was the movie? iRobot? They talked yeah, about that. that. One, but, but Isaac Asimov was the, the one who coined the uh, original three. Yeah, if for I'm sure. Mistaken, I was just I'm trying to sure connect him from his book. My Asimov op and Counter-Strikes, my favorite skin. Culture. Good stuff. <laughs> All right. So uh, number one, the, the original ones were a robot may not injure a human being or through inaction allow a human being to come to harm. Number two, a robot must obey the orders given it by human beings except where such orders would conflict with the first law. Number three, a robot must protect itself. I'm I'm thinking there was a uh, uh, Robin Williams movie. Wasn't there a Robin Williams there was. movie? Where he was called Man? Oh, that one too. I remember. Oh no, this AI wasn't too. Robin Williams. You're right. Bicentennial. I think. I think yeah, that's Aaron what it was. Correct. Anyway, sorry. Number three, a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second law. Now, apparently, they're saying that there's some new laws and why they're necessary. Okay, hold on. So those were the original laws. Yeah, those are. I was gonna say, I'm like, I've heard these before. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You've you've heard them from such films as probably iRobot and the one with with Robin Williams. I I remember or or those of us that can read, you know, the books that they came from. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, some people like movies, bro. Try to connect it to pop culture, man. Not everybody is a super feel, nerd I, with I like am not 18 happy PhDs. That pop like culture you. doesn't include reading books. No, I <laughs> no, it doesn't. Just clear that, clarify that right now. Why are you guys so mean? Books are awesome, by the way. <laughs> Wait, why are you so mean? Oh yeah, well screw you guys. I'm going home. <laughs> okay, uh, so new law one: uh, AI should complement professionals, not replace them. I don't know. I want want y'all's take on that. I'm just going to let that sit there. Man, gut tells me I totally disagree. And maybe that's because I'm sitting in a position where I feel like AI isn't likely to replace the job that I do. And and I feel for the people that are in manufacturing jobs or doing something that is, call it rote, right? Um, Something that's absolutely critical to our economy and local economies and all that sort of stuff, but could completely be done by robotics and potentially more so than just robotics, which has been filling some of those gaps for a long time, with AI very, very well going forward, right? But uh, the idea that you shouldn't replace a professional sounds arbitrarily human. I think there are different ways to fix the problem replacing professionals with AI might cause. 
because you're basically talking about people's employment, therefore their ability to you know pay for a house, pay for food, yeah. things like that, and and quote keep them busy. Which I, I'm putting my hands up and shaking them because I think that's yeah. sort of an absurd place. That shouldn't be that. the purpose of a human is to keep them busy, yeah. but to Th- this, do the things exactly. that humans that only humans can do. And and I don't I don't want to go down because I know it's super politically charged right now. But this these are the areas where people start to talk about things like universal basic income and basically taking the companies that are replacing all of these replaceable jobs and then having to pour it back into an economy where the people who were dependent on these things we can do better, faster, cheaper with machines and intelligent machines should just be taken care of. I'm not saying that's the answer, but it is arguably a better answer than making a rule that says AI can't do the job. Well, and we can tie this together to the article, another article that Curtis pointed us at, which was um, the advancement of AI, robotics, all this kind of stuff, and the the gap that it will cause in first and third world countries or rich and poor yeah. countries, right? Is, yeah, is what the article was talking about. And then it will have massively different effects in those different economies. What we were reading, did we talk about that on Wednesday? Um, we yeah, we, we so. talked, we about only touched on it real quick. We did, yeah. and and that is, I mean, that's a super interesting. We're getting to the point where, look, the, the arguments around not replacing call it blue collar jobs with robotics has been around for quite some time. Um, you know, companies have been producing ro- robotic elements to manufacturing processes that have you know quadrupled productivity and eliminated hundreds of positions in automobile manufacturing, aircraft manufacturing, yeah. uh, basically anything that's repetitive and uh, requires high degrees of accuracy. The benefits of being able to do something repeatable, repeatably, extremely repeatably, whether it's replacement parts or just speed or safety, yeah, you, know, safety. you don't have that's to have the same safety concerns in a, in a robotic. Generally speaking, you, you tend to see sort of the everyone is being lifted by this. It's one of yeah. those rising tide lifts all yeah, those. You don't have to have little kids uh, grabbing the shuttle inside of a loom and potentially getting crushed because you have a robot that does it. Right? Yeah, it, <laughs> you know and, I mean? and I, I'm of the opinion if, if you're not, if, if you are so concerned about people being busy so that they earn an income, right? So moving away yeah. from whether it's universal or not, income for those that were displaced by these technologies, um, a- another potential solution would be having more basically state run. And this is, I'm not talking about US states, I'm talking about government states in this case, state run jobs programs. Oh, I don't know, like the TSA only that's useful, like sending people to Mars. So you can, you can create more opportunity for people to stay busy by dedicating them to tasks, desalination comes to mind, things that need to be solved, problems that need to be solved, yeah. and likely could use in some cases, just brute force labor, labor. And that's, I'm not trying to devalue. Uh, again, it, there's a lot of philosophical stuff here. There's a lot of political stuff that gets into it, but I don't like that law. I want to touch on, I want to touch on three things. And part of this will be purposely contrarian because I don't want us to just be an echo chamber uh, in our discussion. Except one will be first is explicitly directed at Tyler. No one ever thinks AI can replace them until it does. So just share sure. that. No, that's totally fair. I mean, look, I, I'm the guy who says that we should have uh, quantum ASICs that that are just generating or or running GANs, right? AI GANs. To, Isn't to that your new everything. job? That I want it to be my new building job. Building quantum ASICs. Yes. Um, so, so that's point number one. Point number two, and this is going to be the just purposely contrarian side of the discussion. The the element. So one this one part of this that I've heard for years, and and I actually personally believe it's largely true is 
you know, as we, as we go through these technological innovations, we create more opportunity than we destroy. The problem that I think that I have seen with this, so as I've argued with myself even, is that we haven't always brought people along with us. So if you even think about the, uh, the manufacturing industry, that largely was disrupted a, a generation ago. I mean, this, is, this has been disrupted massively for a very long time. And yet we still see manufacturing as a cause or, or, or a need for jobs. Like we have people who's like, we're going to bring manufacturing back so that we can have more jobs here. Like we still haven't solved the problem of a lot of people who end up in manufacturing type of roles because we clearly still need them for some people to get employment. So while there is more opportunity, I don't think we've done a very good job of bringing the people along with us. And so I think as we make these moves, we need to have a strong people bias, which I think this law potentially has, in ensuring that the opportunities are something that, that people can take advantage of. And so I think that's, that's one big aspect of it. And then my third point is one that I, I really do hold true for a lot of people. And I actually have this conversation regularly whenever we talk about automation and AI, especially with my customers, things like that, is if, if there are only a certain subset of companies and no people have any jobs or income, then those companies will not be able to exist. In order for companies to exist, people must have money to buy their things. So there will be a natural equilibrium or balance that comes from just the way society works because it requires both sides to exist. So everyone talks a lot about like, well, no one's going to have jobs and Amazon's going to be the only company that exists in the world one day. And maybe that's true, but there will have to be some system in place for Amazon to continue to survive because they won't have any customers if no one has any jobs. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how that natural balance sort of works itself out because the, the counter side to that is, well, we'll just cease to exist. Yeah, but I, I also think that's that's a bit extremist. The last one, um, and those are those are all good points. Don't don't take me wrong at all here. But the, uh, the I think one of the bigger problems actually it, it hails back to what we were talking about, where the disparity grows. So the haves versus the have-nots, and that one was more geographically. It was talking about worldwide uh, geopolitics there. But um, if if the lowest 10% of the U.S. working class or any country's working class suddenly did not have jobs, there's still 90% of the population that can order stuff from Amazon, and arguably, they all have more money. So the disparity not can arguably. reach an equilibrium. Well, no, not necessarily. They like could be all at 40% the top. Of the, yeah. I'm saying it could all be at the top. That this sure. is this is where some of these things start to fall apart. But that's what I'm saying is, one, I, I don't I don't think that AI and automation any more than robotics before, but there are a lot of reasons that robotics aren't more prevalent in manufacturing in, in at least the United States. I imagine this is true elsewhere too. You, you have to find a way to make sure that the, the people that are really going to lose out and don't have replaceable jobs, something else to, to do and earn an income, they do need something. They need some kind of net, whether that is a redirect and there's yeah. training and education that goes into some kind of new job creation, highways. I, I don't know or care necessarily what it is because the productivity that an AI, especially a robotic-backed AI, right, can, can replace. I mean, it probably is tens to hundreds of people, individual systems, right? It's not, so, Tyler, it sounds like you're laying out a plan of how Russell's point would work. I think you guys are agreeing. 
No, no, that's what I was saying. It is, it is a good point. I was, I was just arguing that the equilibrium is not going to end with Amazon not having customers. It's just going to find a middle ground that 10% of people that don't have jobs don't have jobs. So I think the point that I'm in, this is, this is really where it boils down to. If you look at the amount of just, there's a finite amount of money that exists in the world, or at least value. There's money, a, that's, that's printer, go burr. <clears throat> yeah, no more printers work anymore. My point is, is that there's a certain amount of just value that exists on the planet that we, we tie into. We talk about the size of these companies. We took at the big tech companies, whatever. So like, I just looked up Facebook has 50,000 employees. And it's almost infinitely more valuable than, let's just say, HPE has ever been. And whenever I joined HP 10 years ago, they had 365,000 employees. So if you think about the percentage of just business in the world that they take up in order, and, and they do it with 50,000 employees versus the percentage of business that HPE took up with 365,000 employees. If every company was doing a million X more business with 25 X less employees, there are less jobs that are required to take up more of the economy. And so that's the thing that if that continued to happen in mass, if we had, instead of having four of those companies, let's say we had a thousand of those companies, there'd be a thousand company concentration that might make up whatever it is, 80% of the employment, but that 80% number would be dramatically smaller because it is not required in order to produce that much wealth. I, it is an extremist sort of conversation, but that's actually the point of the conversation is I'm pointing out that it is so extreme to think that there's going to be such a concentration that that balance would just be off and they wouldn't be able to exist. And so that's, that's the idea here is, is there will be a natural equilibrium. And yeah, maybe it is a 10%, but I'm not talking about 10%. I'm talking about like, what if we can run all of the world's economical systems and everything can exist between four or five companies and that's only employing 10% of the planet. Yeah. Now you have a serious problem. Yeah, clearly. So that's, largest, that's what I'm talking about. You can look at these, uh, you know, super mega insurance companies that have 200, 300, 400,000 employees. And then they get into AI that's basically automating all of this, you know, the decision-making and processing and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, you could, you could lose a hundred thousand, 200,000 people off of, uh, off the top of those pretty quick. Anyway, Kieran, what do you think, man? And then we'll get to lot two. I, I reckon Amazon, <laughs> I reckon Amazon's still going to remain, stay around because you'll start having AI and robots ordering books from them. They'll start reading. They'll create okay. their own consumers. Okay. I like it. That <laughs> is not an angle that I had considered. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we'll add Karen says point number four. That's right. And then, and then those uh, robots will form a union to be able to get the wages that they need. And oh and, uh, and the human human servants that yeah. they okay. so <laughs> we've we've kind of talked about that a little bit on the show where you have AI creating intellectual property. Yeah. Who owns that? Right, the person well, that clicks the button to have the AI then produce it, or the, the algorithm. Is it, a, is it a quantum AI? Because then it's definitely the AI. Well, yeah. then you've got the other issue of <laughs> if you are the person who created that AI or created that robot, if it starts to get the smarts and does uh, some sort of crime or something like that, who's responsible? The person who created it or the the robot, the AI that did it? Um, 
if they if they start becoming self start self learning in that, is it the AI? Yeah. Well, that's where I don't like these. Um, uh, what is this one? Must always indicate like, the identity how, of their. That's why I don't like these that? new laws. It doesn't hold robots accountable for anything, right? Because yeah. yeah, that last one was, looked like it did. It was basically no no crimes, no hurting, whatever. Uh, yeah, the last one. Okay, let's get to it. Let's let's go on to new law number two. Robotic systems and AI should not counterfeit humanity. Devices should not be developed to mimic human emotions. Uh, I think we're past that. Uh, counterfeit humanity. Like this, a weird the future of, of human-computer interaction is going to involve tough judgment calls between how seamless personal interactions with robots should be and whether some friction should be involved to create a level of distance. Mm, man, I feel like you're going to ostracize a community by having a law like this that desperately needs that interaction, right? Like I, I can imagine, yeah. especially like in the special needs communities and things like that, where we don't have real humans that either the the amount of empathy doesn't exist or or they are dangerous for some reason, something like that. Like being able to fill that gap with an artificial, I, it, I get it. That makes me a little uncomfortable, but I, I feel like right now we're underserving communities that could use robots that are more human. Sure. Well, and even, I mean, look at, look at space exploration too, right? Um, uh, what's the movie with McConaughey? Interstellar, right? They got robots that they go on missions with, right? And it says here, I resist even novelists or fiction writers calling a robot he or she like a person. I think that it should always be the pronoun uh, or I think that it, quote unquote, sorry, should always be the pronoun because I think that it sort of denotes the fact that it is a machine and not a person. Does this apply to boats then too? Because that's going to screw up a lot right? of sea shanties. Well, that was yeah. good. That's what I was going to say. Is we have people who get attached to just inanimate objects. Right. Yeah, we want to personify them. Like yeah. you think that they're not going to get attached to something they can actually interact with. Yeah. No. I. I mean. I. I think I understand where this is coming from. We. We don't. We don't want to make it easy for people to just stop interacting with human beings, but. I, I don't know that some I would make do. that a law. That's a, it's a choice. Well, yeah. some, some people may benefit greatly from it too. That was just yeah. the point I was trying to make right out the gate. No, some people just so, don't like other humans. They'd which, rather just interact with robots. That's fine. I don't know. Right, I, don't, I don't feel strongly about that. People. New law number three, robotic <laughs> systems and AI should not intensify zero-sum arms races. The unchecked development of smart robotic weapon systems risks spiraling out of control. Skynet. They don't want Skynet. I think I'm okay yeah. with this one on the surface. Um, I'm sure it's more complicated, but I'm going to give that one a check. I'm not really sure why it's necessary to have this rule beyond the first three, though. I feel like the umbrella is there already. Yeah. Can't do harm to humans. Can't do harm to yourself. Like, how does it an arm? Seems like they're trying to close here? a potential loophole somehow. Um, I would like to know what the, what seeing. loophole is there. Uh, well, that's well, great. Maybe, maybe there's detail that explains it. But if if they can't cause injury injury to a human being, and they they have to follow orders, and the orders can't cause injury to a human being or themselves, how do you get arms race problems? What if they make some argument that the person who created the AI is the person harming the human beings? Then I feel like that breaks Asimov's rules. That's the, that's literally why two is there or three is there, you know, so or sorry, two. No, man, crazier loopholes have been done before. Uh, so we're I, saying I, no, no robots in war at all. No robotic warriors. Maybe, maybe they're saying that no artificially a, intelligent, a robot or an AI driven mm. could make better bombs and then humans could use those bombs independently. So maybe, maybe that's the loophole they're filling. If that's the case. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, do we have automated defense systems now that could hurt humans? Do those not qualify as robots? 
Um, my house. It's not does. AI. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You, Tyler, you no, would know probably better than is I AI. do. I was going to no, say, you, I, I have no, no idea. Yeah. That it, I think I, I think I understand where this one's coming from. I'm not sure that that it it's probably worth highlighting just for the sake of conversation, um, because it it is going to force people to consider how the fringe of zero sum, especially you know warlike escalations, could hurt or will hurt people, and therefore they break the original laws. So I think it's more of a really good conversation topic. I think that one's covered, but I'm gonna still I'm giving it the thumbs up. All right, let's get through this. We're probably boring people here. Uh, new law number four, <laughs> robotic systems and AI must always indicate the identity of their creators, controllers, and owners. Greater levels of transparency are needed to increase accountability and deter inappropriate and illegal activity by both the owners and developers of technology. I like this. Yep. Just as cars like have it. license plates, so too should robots. Yep. No robot the, should ever the be anonymous nature autonomous. of the internet causes enough problems as it is. Dude. We don't need anonymous nature of creating robots that do things. Yeah. I feel like most of modern that. day issues come from a lack of transparency and I a agree. lack Holistic lack of that. identity. And I'm not saying people shouldn't have privacy. Obviously, people should have privacy. But I don't think things like this should be easy to run a shell game and completely hide where the interest is coming from. It's probably like literally one of the worst plagues of our time is just not knowing whose interests are at stake for half of the things going sure. on. Dude, mm-hmm. now my mind's no. going down a route of people spoofing identities of others via robots and AI systems. Which I think will happen. You know what I mean? Right? You're yeah, going to have AI robotic identity theft, but it, it's still by making this a hard and fast rule, law, whatever, um, it, it, it creates a, a disincentive because it's illegal. And it's also going to relegate stuff like that to a smaller percentage of the population. So if... If, for instance, and, and I think this is an easy thread to pull, if we took anonymity out of the web legally, most people would just continue to use it without anonymity. But a small percentage of the global internet usage base would still find ways to circumvent that. It would just be tiny by comparison. And, and arguably, it would solve certain problems. And I think Not some people would use it differently. Way. Absolutely. The ones who still Yo, use gosh, it, yeah. it very Are you kidding me? Yeah. We would have way less troll memes because it'd have your name on it. <laughs> Kieran, I know it's like 2.30 in the morning for you, man, but you have anything else you want to talk about before we shut this down? Uh, it's 1 a.m., but um, I've got... Yeah, I was trying to give you the benefit of the doubt. Well, we haven't even touched on any of the things in the <laughs> exactly. intro. So, oh, oh no. Bring it. Uh, you so, mentioned Facebook. There's one yeah, right there. Facebook has been hit with 48 states have filed suits against them for antitrust and they've been requested to look into divesting Instagram and WhatsApp. So, Which is funny because um, the title of this article says Facebook hit with antitrust probe for tying Oculus use to Facebook accounts and apparently that doesn't follow through on why they... Flipping off Instagram, it's just it's just funny. They seem uh, well. That's something different. That's a that's a different thing. So this one, yeah. Well, this is the second the, one. The, yeah, this is a, this is a totally separate one. This one is uh, is oh, uh, this from is a Germany. Probe. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I think this came out the same day. Yeah, the antitrust articles. probe here is from Germany. Facebook's uh, having a bad week. Kieran is talking about <laughs> the U.S. Yeah, yeah. This is in the U.S. on Ars Technica. I that in their stuff. This article was. Yeah, it was. So apparently, um, so the way they're looking at it is that. So basically, they're saying that Facebook has quashed the, uh, any chances of any other competitors to be able to come in 
because they have um, such applications as Instagram and WhatsApp and tying their users into that into that system. So they have requested that they divest of both WhatsApp and Instagram um, to be able to make it a, a more fair playing field. So you know what's interesting about this? I was reading last night, someone had you know said they found the nail in the coffin for Facebook and it was... I mean, it was incredibly intriguing. I tried to find it just now, but I can't. So I'll repeat it as best I can. Basically, they they found some internal correspondence that was talking about the way Facebook made decisions based around privacy. Mm-hmm. And it actually correlated to this as well. And so what they were talking about at the time was actually Google+. Plus. If you guys remember that, it's obviously gone now. But what they were talking about was this idea that they had had some internal communications on decisions that they would make based on user user privacy and they said basically don't make any decisions that affect this right now because we're under scrutiny with this competitive platform and the one they were using the the example they were using was the ability to untag yourself from photos they were actually going to remove the ability to untag yourself which actually i don't even i don't use facebook often so i assume that's still an ability but at one point in time they were going to remove the ability for you to untag yourself, but they explicitly did not do that at the time because they had Google plus as a competitor in the ecosystem and they didn't want to be flagged for more anti-privacy type of things, but they wanted to ensure they made decisions that were more anti-private whenever they had less competition. And one way they were going to go about ensuring this was to tie the back end of their acquired system, so Instagram, WhatsApp, whatever, they were going to tie all of the backends together, use the same backend that runs, that runs Facebook, so that it would make it so difficult to divest from them that if anyone came to them and stated that they had anti-competitive or anti-privacy or whatever issues, that the complexity in actually getting rid of those applications and the potential public uproar would be insurmountable and they wouldn't be able to, to actually break them up. So this is internal communication that was shown explicitly stating like how they were going to, like how they needed to make decisions to ensure they could do this or make these decisions in a vacuum without competition. So once again, a very bad week for, for Facebook as, as they're yeah, looking. Wow. Yeah. Well, that starts also um, when they were talking about, the you guys talked about it one day where the if you have if you get rid of your facebook account that you will still if you're sorry the other way around if you have only facebook and you don't have instagram but you get rid of certain people they can dm you from instagram into your facebook feed or it might have been the other way around mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's it was, late in the morning even if you don't have a facebook account your you know uncle can DM you yeah. on Instagram from his Facebook account. Yeah. So how does that play into Facebook's plan of being allowing that to happen now if they have to move away from Instagram or how our problem we have it? Yeah. Not our problem. So <laughs> break the link. <laughs> yeah, good question. But anyway. So uh CentOS Linux or CentOS Linux? Yes. My However, some people about say this one. Same. But this one was Eesh. interesting. Um to me, it sounds like IBM's gone, hey, we've just given you $38 billion to buy and we want some money. And they're not <laughs> seeing it, what they're getting from Red Hat. 
So because a lot of people avoid using Red Hat and use CentOS um, for free, not having those support contracts. Yep. And there are some, and I, I will not state their names here because there are customers and we're under NDA, but there are some major, major platforms that run CentOS as the back end of their entire system. Yep. Uh, various SaaS providers, et cetera. So, I, I mean, I started, I blasted this to at least five or six different customers who I know have, I'm talking thousands of CentOS servers that are running these systems. Yeah. And so it's, it's interesting because one of the articles that I had found and seen, it says IBM's Red Hat just killed CentOS as we know it with CentOS stream stability goes out the door, which is a pretty serious issue. Um, whenever you think about what this system is traditionally used to do and to, to run highly critical systems for people, which of course you, you might say to yourself, well, wouldn't you want support uh, on that? Uh, in, in many cases, I think the answer is yes, but depending on the technology firm, if you are a builder of things, you're your own support mechanism. You're supporting it. Yeah, exactly. So that's, it's going to be very interesting to see what this is. There is going to be, or there is a project that is in, that is going on that is basically a CentOS mirror, but it's it won't necessarily be a one-to-one replacement of, of what it was. So I, I don't know if that'll be something easy for customers to transition to if they don't like CentOS Stream or, or what it might mean, but it's, it's a very, very big deal for the industry. It, that's actually quite interesting because there's a lot of, there's actually a lot of articles coming out of different companies going, we're now going to take a fork of Red Hat Linux and, um, and make our own CentOS replacement. At that level. Yeah. So which, the original which is probably what a lot of people will do. It's a good yeah. point. Well, the original uh, creator developer of CentOS has come back and he, he no longer works on it, but he, he's gone, well, I'm going to create one called Rocky Linux now. And that's, yeah, that's, that's maybe, it. So Rocky is a mirror yeah. of CentOS. Um, yep. That's actually the one that I was thinking of. I couldn't remember the name. So good. And call. then you've got Cloud Linux, who their statement was, we had the infrastructure. This is what we do day in, day out. This is, uh, we've got the development already set up. So we're going to provide a, um, a, a coin of it as well, of the um, product. So the, there are a number of companies already coming out in defense um, and trying to save it. So, so the community comes to the rescue again. And that's another thing I love about open source software distributed development is if this were just a plain commercial product that, you know, tons and tons of companies use and then the company decided to get rid of it, there'd be no recourse. But in this particular case, it'll be interesting to see how it works out. It's still not good news, but it, there is an option. There is something that can be done and it looks like the community is swarming around it and going to figure out a way to, to work through it. And IBM right now is going, seeing all these other companies speeding them up, going, we just shot ourselves in the foot. Yep, that's, <laughs> that's exactly right. Which, you know, is part of their history is just shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, like when they made the decision to be like, you know what? I don't think we really need SQL anymore. Software is not important. Let's focus on hardware. That worked out real well for them. Yeah. So moving on, try and wrap these up pretty quick. Uh, very quick one. Uh, Nutanix's new CEO replacing Diraj is a former VMware executive. Uh, I think Robbie. I heard about Robbie. this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We talked about it for like two hours. Yeah. <laughs> Over. <laughs> I said it was a quick one. Uh, just, yeah. That's interesting because basically to me, that sounds like Nutanix is getting ready to be, to set themselves up to, for a sale, maybe potentially. 
Um, well, yeah, because the original CEO had said, We're, we will never sell. Yeah. And then as soon as he said that again, they were like, Be serious. Yeah. Yep. Move him out. Yep. So, Give him yes. the hook. But anyway. <laughs> nope. Strong <laughs> sound crap out of it. <laughs> so, Team I guess it's just gained. A, okay. We well, off the just, wagon. Uh, we got to wrap this yeah. up. Aaron's losing it. That's Somebody take away his soundboard. <laughs> All right, Sorry, uh, last two things we talked about in the title. So Cyberpunk, there's a bunch of bugs, PS4, Xbox, that's happening. Cyberpunk, yeah. they have now stuck a warning uh, label at the start at the risk of seizures. Uh, um, that's so, not surprising. No, so that is now uh, showing up. So um, is it yes. is it from blinky lights in the game or is it is it from like performance issues that cause? Uh, no, you should go other, look at it. There's some, yeah, there's some I, other yeah, weird things. There's, there's a lot. Oh, I've got no. the article from yeah. Ars Technica as well. Yeah, um, I, haven't, I didn't read it. I saw that. Um, I actually played Cyberpunk uh, yesterday, and I haven't played a lot of games lately at all. But it was definitely interesting. Yeah. So he, this is a warning. Uh, just be wary of the um, of potential seizures. I, uh, uh, I I wrote the best description of gameplay to Aaron on uh, Telegram yesterday, too. I, I feel like it's accurate. Russ didn't seem to agree. But then he gave it a thumbs up. So. <laughs> Just because I didn't respond means I didn't didn't agree. <laughs> and, and, and last but not least, Starship SN8. Was it a success? Does yes. it count as a success? It yes. does. Yes. Absolutely. 100%. That was amazing. It They did the belly flop. It was phenomenal. Apparently, the engines did everything they were supposed to do, but they had, uh, at least initially, what it looks like is they had um, what uh, pressure issues, basically. So they ended up with engine-rich fire, all kinds yep. of cool stuff, but it was awesome. It was. Oh, wow. <laughs> now I'm interested in, uh, in space things now. <laughs> don't, don't Google Cyberpunk 27.7 glitches if you're not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if you're at work. Uh, <laughs> family family friendly show here can we even say these words i don't know <laughs> anatomy they're, they're medical it's like medical arm terms. nose ear <laughs> sure yeah that's what the medical says. terminologies are not being covered in the show that's true actually the, this this title isn't the medical terminology anyways so no probably not that's not family friendly but on that note kill it <laughs> that's it that brings another Tech Breakfast podcast to a close. Thank you, everyone, for joining us, Kieran. Always a pleasure to have you here and bringing that deep down under perspective. Good luck riding your kangaroos to work tomorrow. I assume it's one, two. Is it a chariot thing? Can you? Yeah, I'm not sure if I'll I need to, to fill it with petrol in the morning or not. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that, I, I've heard that that's bad for um, when you when you put them down and eat them. You so uh, I, I don't recommend yeah. gasoline in your kangaroos. You gave me some rocket fuel? (laughs) Yeah, sure. Yes. Anyways, that's it. We're done. Thanks for listening. Everybody have a great weekend. We went from uh, squirrels doing power moves to AI ending the world to, well, cyberpunk awfulness. And it was fun, but it was long. And we'd love your feedback on whether or not that was a good thing, a bad thing. And in general, we love your feedback. So let us know what we missed. And uh, if you ever want to join us in the show, of course, join up. Thanks for your support. Thanks for subscribing. And we will talk to you next week.